0: Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I'm very excited. I have Professor Yev Haidamaka, who was my professor at the Savannah College of Art and Design in my Advanced Techniques class. Hello, Professor Yev. Hi everybody, hi Nancy. How are you doing today?
1: Good, I'm good. Finally the quarter is ended, so a little bit more free time. Great. Well, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Um, Sure. Uh, So my name is Yevhaidamaka, like Nancy already said. I am actually uh, from Ukraine, so um, I'm currently based here because of all of of the things that are going on in the world. (laughs) But I'm also teaching at SCAD Savannah, currently online, of course. Um, I've been working as an illustrator for quite some time, I think around 10 years. Uh, of active freelance work, um, and um, mostly I'm working within um, publishing, editorial, advertising, uh, advertising. Uh, but I usually just prefer to say that I do commercial uh, illustration in general because it just gives me more room for you know various clients. So I do take a lot of other commercial work. Um, my client list is quite. Um, extensive, but I don't want to bore anybody with it. So if you're interested to know more about the clients I'm working in or the kind of projects I'm doing, um, everybody's welcome to check out my website, Um Yeah, um, if you have any specific questions, please let me know.
0: Well, um, thank you so much. And I am particularly interested because of your children's book background. Um, You've done so much work in that industry, um, and I was wondering what inspired you to go into that market? I mean, I know you do all those other types of um, illustration uh, work, but, um, yeah, I was always drawn to your children's book illustrations.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Well, that's an interesting question. Actually, um, I guess I need to start a little bit from my background, from my education. Um, to answer this question. So actually, uh, my undergrad program was in, um, in, in Ukraine in the Institute of Publishing and Printing. So um, when we entered our undergrad program, we only knew um, about publishing as the main market for illustrators. I think just because back then, other markets were a little bit more niche uh, and publishing was something that you can see and you can hold in your hands when you go to the bookstore, you know, all of those children's books. So I think initially um, my focus on publishing and on children's books specifically was um, created because um, because of my undergraduate program. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as we moved on um, and as I received um, the scholarship the Fulbright to go study in the US and then work in the US Uh, a lot of things have changed so now Mm. like I said I'm working in a lot of different markets but children's books is still one of my favorite areas to work in Um, and it's one of the most time time consuming as well because you know we all we all know how long does it take to finish a book Um, so yeah I think um, even though advertising and editorial and other commercial stuff can bring you a little bit more money Mm -hmm. and is much faster. Uh, In my career, I'm sure that children's books will always be there and I'll always work on one because it's just something that fulfills you. Mm -hmm. Um, This market is like nothing else for Mm -hmm. an illustrator, I think.
0: Well, I love that you would bring in your work and share it with us, uh, with the students and your workshops that you had on the weekends and your help sessions that you had. Um, you are not only a really a very um, professional, strong illustrator, you're an excellent teacher. So oh, I was... Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. But uh, I was wondering what inspired you to become um, a
1: professor? Huh um well I think well both of my parents (laughs) were um, teachers so and they told me when I was little and I asked them what should I do well I I was always drawing but uh, at some point in in when I was in school I asked my mom and I said where should I study and she Mm -hmm. told me you can do whatever you want just Mm -hmm. don't teach (laughs) (laughs) and I never listened I guess (laughs) things went south Um, I think, uh, it's just something about sharing and I don't know, all of these things that I'm going to say will sound Mm -hmm. overused and banal, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Sharing connection, things like that, but it's true. It's the pleasure of, um, connecting people who are just entering the industry with, um, you know, sharing my mistakes do's and don'ts, and um, just seeing how the students grow, all of this, I think this is the reason why I stayed, because I started mm-hmm. um, out of curiosity, because I was mm-hmm. invited to give okay. some lectures and conduct workshops, and I never knew if this was something that I would want to continue, mm-hmm. um, but once I tried, I just realized that it's just it just comes very easy for me, because mm-hmm. let's agree that Teaching is really difficult. I think, Nancy, you know that mm-hmm. like no one else. <laughs> it is very difficult emotionally and sometimes physically. And it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure if this is something I will continue or not. But um, it just worked out very nicely. And I, I did I did teach in Ukraine, outside of Ukraine, in the U.S., in Hong Kong. So um, I'm guessing that... This is just the kind of job that perfectly fits into my freelance career, also because it always allows me, my freelance work always allows me to introduce new topics and new um, discoveries to my students, which I think is very important. So I think it's just a good balance in life.
0: Well, I'm glad you went into teaching. (laughs) It was (laughs) really, I I mean,
1: I learned so much in that class,
0: and I think it was. It, it's like knowing process it, even though your process is maybe different, but I, I took the things that I was like, that really helps me. That makes my illustration stronger. I was like, it was really like a light bulb. I was like, I thought we had to do it this way, but, you know, but you were doing it this <laughs> oh, way. That's and, was, awesome. <laughs> and it was so uh, freeing. It was like, um, it was ma- made me realize like, you know, you've, you've got to pick and choose what's going to work best for you. And then thinking about things in terms of like, just kind of flipping the order of things that you do can really make a better illustration. So I was like, wow, that was so helpful. <gasps> I mean, like I literally, after the class, I went ahead and I started looking at, I produce work I was happier with that I felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not perfect, but there was like, this is leaps better than the stuff I'd done before. And so a lot of it was um, learning from you, um, how you do your process, and then what will work for me. And I mean, some of it was so helpful. So thank you so
1: much. Oh, thank you for appreciating this and being such an awesome student.
0: Well, you know, and in the course of my um, years of being a student, you know, you'll meet illustrators. Some, like you said, they um, outstanding illustrators, uh, but they're not interested in teaching. That's something that's not part of their, um, you know, thing that they're driven to do. And it is very time consuming. And so, but um, so it's really nice when you find somebody who has the professional background. And then is also a really good teacher, I mean, I felt like I'm getting live updates about what's current in the market, the market that I would like to be in. And so it's highly relevant and uh, very on point to what's going on now. Um, And then you also could give us kind of um, ideas into the market, what it will be like in the future a little bit, you know, to think, you know, things like that. I thought that was really helpful.
1: Yeah, that's actually, that's one of the main goals for me. I think if one day I stop freelancing and developing and continue teaching and not bringing anything new into the classroom, you should let me know. (laughs) You should email me about it. Just kidding. But I think the reason uh, for this being so important, always being in touch with the industry is because from my personal experience when I started my art education in Ukraine and it's a post-soviet country um, just just something to keep in mind and sometimes we used to have professors who would teach us um, typography but they would only know uh, they wouldn't they, they wouldn't work with computers even you know what I mean of course it was um, quite a lot of time ago but still
0: yeah
1: um, even then, there were a technology that we could have discovered. But this didn't happen because our professors, being wonderful people and amazing um, professionals in academic fields, but they just never had that pulse on the industry, um, something that is current. And that, I always felt like that was lacking in my education. So I think that's one of the reasons I started teaching. And overcame the fear because there is always that as well. I think you also could agree um, and just realize that this, this can be useful. And I see that students are um, introduced to something that they just didn't know before. So there is that magic.
0: Yeah. Never assume that everybody knows everything. That's what I learned in education. And so like all the things that you shared, I was like, this is great. This is like gold, man. I was like, I, I, do, yeah, I was, it was awesome. So the next question was like, because of your, you mentioned that you're a Fulbright scholar and I'm like, wow, that is, that is extraordinary. I mean, because it's, that's, uh, that is a lot. Of, that's a process to go through, and like some of the other artists that I've come across, um, that was I was interested in. I was like, they were Fulbright scholars. They went to other countries and they studied, and they brought back this learning uh, to their home country. And and so the my question is, what made you decide to become a Fulbright scholar to apply and. Um, mm-hmm and study um, in another country, you know, that's, to me, that's very brave to do that. And just,
1: Mm -hmm. um, I think you might be (laughs) disappointed with my answer. Um, my initial goal was very simple because I felt like my education wasn't enough. Um, I started working and I started gaining clients and, um, in my home country abroad, Uh, But I always felt like that base is lacking because post-Soviet education is very concentrated on academic art. But if you try to learn illustration, of course, now we have a lot of private schools, but back then there wasn't anything like that. Mm. Or at least we didn't know. So I always felt like they teach us to draw, to draw well, but they give us no idea on what to do with that skill, you know? So Mm. a lot of, artists from post-Soviet countries from art schools and art academies you will see that they have mad skills in drawing anatomy painting all of that but they have no idea how to sell that stuff and how to enter the market that they are interested in and maybe maybe going a little bit more narrow you know because illustration is a narrow field Um, so I was working for quite some time and then I decided that I really need to go somewhere and, um, especially somewhere far away. I mean, I was thinking about Germany first because, uh-huh. um, and why I said that you will be disappointed because a lot of it is about the money.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I never had the money to study, to get my master's degree anywhere. Um, and then at some point I just started looking into different scholarships Germany, because in Germany and in many places in Europe, the education is almost free, it's very Mm. cheap. And then while I was searching and creating a list of different countries and different scholarships, I um, just accidentally, I found out about Fulbright. And Mm. I think the funny moment about it is everybody could Relate to that is when you open their website and when you start reading about food, Brain, right, It sounds like like you said it sounds extraordinary. and 95% of the people will say okay, that's probably not for me because that's a little bit <laughs> <laughs> above my head and um, I don't remember exactly, but I think I might have had this idea, but I was very motivated yeah. But also have to say that I was like that since I was very little I think partially, again, because we never had many resources, Uh, because life in Ukraine was very different from life in the U.S., Um, you know, in terms of Mm -hmm. economy and mm, family finance and how much your family can support you Mm -hmm. in, in life, in your education. There is really a huge difference, so you have to... Um, I think in here, if you have to succeed, if you want to succeed, you really have to work very hard, or at least it was like that back when I was um, studying. So that was my main motivation. But then when I started looking into Fulbright more, mm. I realized that this scholarship is is definitely not about sending you abroad and paying for you. Mm-hmm. is much deeper than that, and I really love the idea because they concentrate on. Um, Finding you the program that matches your current professional interest, mm-hmm. and then they expect you to come back to your home country and and reach your um, your home field your field of expertise with that knowledge. And it's never about just receiving free education. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm always telling to people who ask for my advice about mm-hmm. Fulbright, because a lot of people just think it's a free. Free pass to get an MFA in in, in America, but that's not that. Mm-hmm. And if you come to a Fulbright interview with that mindset, mm-hmm. they will just send you home. Okay. So just the philosophy of Fulbright is very uh, something that I really liked. I liked it so much that I tried. I tried the first time, I failed. Mm-hmm. I got to the second stage to the interview, but I was very young, and I think I I think I didn't have enough vision of what i would want Mm -hmm. to improve in my home country when Mm -hmm. i return so Mm -hmm. i i did try next uh, next year Mm -hmm. so i try i spent two years total to try and get the scholarship and Mm -hmm. oh and also the one thing Mm -hmm. i think about if somebody's interested in fulbright Mm -hmm. um i always found it fascinating that when you just start. Um, filling in the application for fulbright you realize that just that application alone Mm. makes you rethink your whole values your life values your professional values it's Mm. incredible because normally in life we never sit and complete a very extensive questionnaire you know we are never really asked what is your uh, personal goal in life, what is your yeah. professional goal? We just don't do that. We don't write about it. Yeah. And so when you start that for the, for the full, full rate application, um, you just realize a lot of things in the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's amazing. You didn't even get the scholarship, but yeah. you are already a little bit different. And this is something I heard from my colleagues who tried and yeah. um, they didn't get the scholarship, but they always told me that I'm actually so happy I applied because this whole thing just changed my point of view. And some people even realize that they have to um, change the direction of their work just because of that application. Wow.
0: wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like you already did a master's writing just to apply with the Fulbright because... It reminds me of working on my um, candidacy review uh, paperwork. It's kind of making me think
1: about like, what, what am
0: I really doing? Why am I doing this? So, you
1: know why it is working this way? It's actually something that we should do just daily, uh you know, right? Like the client list that I always suggest my students to have a client list and dream project list. You always have to, to know the end goal Uh because on the example of Fulbright, they ask you very specific questions oh. in that application. And you have to do research to answer those questions. For example, yeah. when you choose, you can choose the schools that you want to apply to, but the final decision is not yours, but oh. you can choose your preferences. Okay. But for, for the application to be successful, you have to explain um, mm. every school and why you chose it. What kind of classes are there? What kind of um, disciplines, electives, how many of them? What is the direction? What is your final project? You know, things like we would yeah. never just normally, I mean, I don't think many people yeah. just on a regular basis go yeah. online and create do such extensive research. Yeah. And they also ask you about, you have to write two essays, mm-hmm. essays which uh, the first one is personal. I don't exactly remember the name, but... Yeah. One of them is about your personal life and mm-hmm. how how did your personal experience led you to your professional experience, which is something I find really interesting because it's in art, it's all so connected. Mm-hmm. I am what I create, basically, mm-hmm. or vice versa, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and the second essay is about professional goal. So you have to... First, you think about how your personality and your... Pri- uh, previous experience in, in life generally influenced your decision to work in this field. And then the second essay, you dive deeper into your professional motivation and research mm. and what are the resources that you need. And so while you answer those questions, why do I need this education? What kind of resources are lacking in my home country? What can I do after I come back to improve this field in my home country? What kind of, what are the instruments that I'm going to be using? All of this. Wow it's so interesting. So after you are done with the essay, you just realize that you're a whole different person after. It's it's incredible. Wow,
0: wow that's amazing. Like, I, I didn't quite realize it was that extensive, and that you really have to think about all the things that you do. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it kind of gives you that roadmap of what you can accomplish and why you're doing it. I think definitely knowing why you're doing something is especially it's such a time commitment um your master's of fine arts degree um it it really that's a big chunk well I mean it is a small amount but it is a a concentrated amount of time that you're focused on something and um yeah I just I I will have to look at that scholarship and some of those questions (sighs) because it'll probably help me in the process of really figuring out like at the end of the day um what i want to do in five ten years and things like that so thank you so much for that advice (sighs) my next question because you have worked in so many different markets um european um the u.s market for um the book market and i was wondering is that process pretty much the same whether you work for a european publisher or a you know in the uk um you mentioned you did um Or you were working on a book for a uk publisher or versus like if you were to work with um the us uh publisher do you Mm -hmm. work the same way Uh, do they tend to work the same way in publishing Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what country it is i was just curious Mm -hmm.
1: well i think the the general answer to this is yes it's the same of course the end product is the same so the process it's pretty much the same if you have a consistent style and consistent process then you know it's this it doesn't matter what kind of client it oh, is
0: okay
1: however of course there are differences because um european and say my home market mm. is very different and then american market is very commercial based while european book market is much more experimental i feel mm. like so i think the biggest um, difference is the kind of books that are published and the kind of approach that the publisher wants not from you specifically but generally okay. oh. on the market so I found that even if you go to Bologna Book Fair yes. where you you can see publishers from literally everywhere in the world everybody comes to that to Bologna, to that one place in April or May mm-hmm for several days so there is a, such a crazy concentration of stands mm-hmm. from different countries and once you go there you realize that oh okay so that's that's a difference the process is pretty much the same but one artist can be very famous and popular in say in asia oh. but his books will not sell in the u.s or in europe because there is this difference in styles mm-hmm. and the topics i love asian book market because it's um uh, it's crazy in a good way. Mm-hmm. I found that the how versatile are the topics and the approach. They don't they're not afraid to um to how do you say that? To approach um the book with a more experimental um style, something risky, mm-hmm. something the topics would be uh, like, for example, one of the books that I, I really, I didn't understand it, but mm-hmm. I loved it, was about a cat who had sticky fingers, like candy oh. candy paws, uh-huh. and that he would touch different uh-huh. animals. You know, there is no story in it. Uh-huh. And it's just cute and funny, that's all. And that's mm-hmm. enough. But I think in the U.S., okay. that wouldn't be enough. In the U.S., mm-hmm. they would be more concentrated on storyline, mm-hmm. on Maybe the message that the book is sending, you know, because the market is much more, um, I think it's much more divided. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, you could do this kind of book or that kind of Mm -hmm. book. In the U.S. it's a really big market. In Europe also, but I also found that in Europe there is a lot of experimental illustration. Mm -hmm. And the topics can be a little bit more free from what I found. But of course the mm, the more time passes, the more these things just get mixed up mm. you know because mm. of globalization, and we always see artists from different countries, so I think we get inspired, and publishers see what kind of books are being printed abroad, and they become more open to different kinds of topics and and projects. So I think eventually we'll just end up doing something that is very um united Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if i can say that but in terms of process i think it just it doesn't really depend on the country it depends on each specific publisher Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know there are some publishers that um very fast very effective communication very clear contracts and then in that same country there can be a publisher that is just you know takes forever to send you the edits or pays you for like a year after the project is done so you know there are different cases
0: so thank you for sharing that now my next question because you went to the to the bologna book festival and i remember you telling me you would go and see the publishers show them your work and get some comments and feedback one of the questions i have and this i didn't originally put it in the question because I get a little bit confused because, okay, so I was always told, like, oh, well, go to book publishers that already have kind of your style of work in their, you know, in the books they've published. But then I kind of go, like, logically, to me, if they already have an illustrator who does that similar style, I mean, does it matter how much you target? So, like, when you went to Bologna, did you probably only had so much time so you could only strategize and say I can only go to so many publishers within this time frame to show my work mm-hmm. like how did you know to narrow it because that's a huge like if everybody's there how do you know how mm-hmm. to
1: narrow it down yes that's the mistake that I see a lot of people made yes. there because I, I saw them making that mistake is standing in every possible line to every possible publisher and trying to get an interview with the publisher, with every single publisher out there in those three days, which is Mm -hmm. unreal. You can do that. The best advice I could give to anybody who wants to go is you need to do your research. You just have to do your research. Otherwise, it's going to be fruitless. You can go there and because you didn't plan ahead you didn't create a list of publishers who fit you. You see that they publish the type of stories that you are interested in and that your portfolio is also, um, similar to what they are producing. Uh, if you don't do that, then you shouldn't hope for, for a good spot for an interview when you Mm -hmm. come because everything is taken. So a lot of people actually email publishers, um, A lot of time in advance, maybe like a month or two Mm. months even, or even three months, depends. So um, I think preparation is key. So if you know that, and let's hope that the pandemic ends one day, maybe the next year Bologna Book Fair will be on ground again. Mm. So if you want to go there, Mm. I recommend that you start that preparation and research, maybe six months in in advance, just to Mm. make it comfortable. Okay. Um, maybe that sounds a little bit too crazy, but Mm -hmm. when I went there, I started, I think I only had a month because i very late in in the year. I realized that I want to go and I booked my tickets. And um, by the way, the housing also, you need to keep that in mind. The housing is gone. So yeah, I had some issues about that, but because I started planning so late, I didn't have the chance to, schedule the interviews with some of the publishers are really wanted to okay. you know the big ones. okay but when i went there i found that um each publisher does have um like this walk-in um portfolio review thing that you can stand in the line but again you have to um Actually, I wrote an article about yeah. it. It's on Medium. Oh, if somebody wants to yeah. find it, you can Google my name. Okay. Oh, on your book fair.
0: I will find that and then I'll put it in the description yeah. box in case anybody wants to read it. But yeah, I because, don't want um, to read it.
1: I came back so excited and I decided to write that article because I found that if I read something similar, my mm-hmm. life would be much easier on the mm-hmm. fair. So when I came there the first day, I decided that I'm just gonna go through every Whole and every okay. stand and just write down um, what kind of publishers are offering walk-in portfolio reviews wow. and i'm when i come back home i will just uh, research those publishers and see if mm-hmm. i'm interested wow. because like you said you have to sh- you have to choose the publisher that you think will be a good fit or you will be a good fit for them otherwise it's just a waste of time mm-hmm. um, I think a very a very bad example of that, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's funny, mm-hmm. uh, is French publishers. We initially mm-hmm. wanted to stand in in many lines and we chose one of the French publishers that's mm-hmm. quite big. And we spend maybe 30 minutes in the line. And um, mm-hmm. when you go there and you show your work, the mm-hmm. only thing they ask you is, do you speak French? Oh, and okay. once you say no, they tell you, okay, well, why are you here? Oh. <laughs> and you know, in my head, it's something that is just well, I can use Google Translate, but for for them, it could be an issue. So okay, yeah, it's That's always good point. to ask around. Yeah, um, and do your research and concentrate. I think it's much better to concentrate on less publishers mm-hmm. and schedule less interviews and portfolio reviews. And so, so. To make sure that you can conduct them successfully and you can focus because believe me it's very exhausting like it's physically hard because you are um walking and standing all day Mm -hmm. and you carry heavy backpack with you by the end of the second and third day you'll be very tired so i think it's always a good um strategy to just do your research
0: very cool. Well, I, that would be amazing to go to the Bologna Book Festival. I've always seen like um, the artwork they had, like the last time I looked into it, it was like they um, had it online with all the illustrators work posted on the website. And I was like, oh, this is amazing to see all of these different styles and works from across the the world as just like wow I mean I can only imagine how big it is like if you if they go back to in person mm-hmm. my next question is because you are a professor you are a full-time freelance illustrator how do you balance those two things because um you do a lot for your teaching and give a lot like how do you fit all that in
1: hmm well <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that Um, I'll answer, honestly. I just do my best. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else I could say. I just try to manage my time um, as successfully as I could. And actually, there is a difference between on-ground classes and Mm -hmm. e-learning, because I've been teaching e-learning since the pandemic started. Um, I started e-learning, actually, last February. So. It's been a while. Um, I started in Hong Kong and then oh, left okay. Hong Kong and all of these things started to happen. Um, so when I was on ground, very honestly, I never had time for anything. Oh, okay. It was very difficult. Okay. And, um, but it was also my first quarter at SCAD, oh. my first and second quarter. So I think maybe because of that also, because you can teach. Mm-hmm. For years, but then when you come to SCAD, there are some procedures are different oh, or the workload okay. can be different. So you have okay. to adjust. Okay. So those first three months I didn't do anything but SCAD, oh, wow. but teaching. But later, of course, you have more time and you squeeze in those commissions. But I also have to say that mm-hmm. it's important to prioritize always okay. in life generally, mm-hmm. as in, in, in work. When I started teaching full-time, mm-hmm. yes because before that I would teach uh, part-time or I would teach for you know I would teach a course, which is not a continuous education, but maybe like five months course or something like that, and then again in a couple of months. Um, so the workload is different, but in this case, I just decided for myself that mm-hmm. I want to focus on this. Mm-hmm. And I need to prioritize my freelance work. And that actually was very, very nice because mm. as a freelancer, you have this tendency to agree to work because we always feel like, oh, if I say no, it's going to be bad for my future clients. Clients will see that I decline projects and they will never contact me again, or I will lose money. You know, mm-hmm. in freelance, there is always this sense of instability, mm-hmm. almost always. Yeah and with teaching you just start to understand that sometimes you don't need this project if it's not 100 percent amazing mm-hmm. so actually that um, time limitation was mm-hmm. very beneficial because i stopped working on projects that um, are not entirely what i imagine my dream project mm-hmm. would be you know But with e-learning, it's much easier because you don't have to be in campus for this specific amount of hours. Although it's still quite exhausting because you have to type all of these comments, it's much easier when you just talk, but when you have to type and answer all of those emails, it's a lot of it's just basically a lot of physically a lot of Uh physical typing Uh (laughs) and a lot of time. Um but it's all it's all possible. And that's actually one of the reasons why I'm um i'm a little bit you know skeptical when sometimes students who don't manage their time well they would complain to me that they have two classes and that's too much work for them and i never say this but i always think that um if i told anybody how much work i have every day you know there is no meaning in that because in the commercial art in freelance, nobody is asking you how busy you are. You either agree to the project mm-hmm. or you don't. Yeah. You know the same with classes. If you yeah. agree to this class, you have to um, make an effort and yes. you have to try to plan your time. But it's all possible. And the good news is, yeah. the older you get, the I think I think every professional artist yeah. feels that the older you get, the more experience you get you can handle more projects at the same time. And I think it gets much easier. So as a student, you might genuinely feel like two classes is too much, mm-hmm. and that's OK. And that's why you're in school, because that part of learning is it's not just to learn the skills yeah. of how to draw. It's to learn how to manage your time and how mm-hmm. to communicate. For me personally, it's one of the main tasks of, of any study program. Mm-hmm. So that's normal you yeah. might struggle at first but then you just learn how to adjust um but the further you go the easier it gets and then at one point you understand that you are teaching four classes and wow. you have three freelance projects at the same wow. time while leaving by yourself in a foreign country wow that is a lot
0: because I was like um I felt like with your e-learning classes it felt like an on-ground class because you had your help sessions you had the weekend workshops and so I felt like oh man I am getting so much um out of this class because there's so much um, in-person contact on top of the feedback I'd get in the discussion posts so Mm -hmm. and so I was like Wow. To me, it's like four classes to be a teacher and having to do all that for four classes. And then um, also your professional career and making time because you're I'm assuming, you know, you do a lot of back and forth with your um with whoever you're working with, you know. So there's like all mm-hmm. these, you know, different ways. you're. But, born. you know,
1: there is something yeah. that I found. Um, it's just my personal yeah. discovery, I think. But you tell me if you agree with this or yeah. not. For me personally, I always see this and I kind of hate it. When Mm -hmm. I have too much free time, I do nothing. It's so (laughs) difficult for me to get up and especially if it's a personal project. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a client project that you just can't not do it because there is contract and there is money and there is Mm -hmm. just your own Mm -hmm. responsibility. But when it's something like a picture book you're working on, it's just yours. You commission it to yourself. It's so difficult when you are not busy. Mm -hmm. Once you have a lot of work, Mm -hmm. I don't know how that... It's magic. You (laughs) magically just happen to find time for everything. Wow. I think a lot of my friends who have kids would tell me similar things, that once you... Once you have a kid, you realize how valuable your time is, and you never waste a second. Because, yeah. and you, and it doesn't mean that you don't have time, so you don't do anything. It just mm-hmm. means that you manage your time more effectively. I think that's very inspiring. I never, um, I never tell anybody should work that much because mm-hmm. that can be unhealthy. But it's good to know that if that's your goal, mm-hmm. it's totally manageable and. You could do it if you wanted to plan it.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, I think, yeah. Depends on how much you want to make it a priority. I think in all honesty, a lot of times actions speak louder than words. So you got to go, like you can say, well, I want to do X, Y, Z. But are you actually doing the actions that will get you xyz so you know it entails you know saying it is great that's like that first point saying hey i want to freelance an illustration in children's books now what can i actually do um to support that Mm -hmm. and so and that's
1: why we always i always try to include that in my classes and just generally in my own career is the limitation Mm -hmm. what market is your priority because if you're interested in everything yeah It's really hard to manage. But if you know exactly what you want to do, I want to do children's books. Mm -hmm. Then all of your energy and focus goes into that. And you also get rid of the guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working on the picture books, Mm -hmm. but I really want to do advertising. So I need Mm -hmm. to be looking for an agent Mm -hmm. in that area. But for that, I need to prepare a different portfolio. So how do I do that? And then we start panicking and then we get anxious it's not good so i think it's super important to be honest with yourself and just ask yourself what is my goal what do i Mm -hmm. want to do because it's perfectly okay i don't know you want to do pottery Mm -hmm. you know or you want to do cut paper illustration or you want to do animal portraits whatever it is it's always good to have the focus and maybe you have one or two or three markets um or yeah you could have an agent and just work with the con- with the project that the agent offers to you. You know, there are so many ways. But I think it's always important to just ask yourself, how much do I want to work per day? Oh. Um, and what kind of work do I want to accomplish? Yeah. But again, a lot of it depends on the financial situation. Yeah. So I never give any universal yeah. advice to yeah. anyone because everybody's situation is very different. Yeah.
0: That's a great point. So, has COVID, um, the virus, changed as far as the amount of work that you're getting, or has it changed um, your freelance business at all? Or is it kind of business as usual mm-hmm. because you're working from home and doing it on your own, your own business?
1: Mm-hmm. I actually hear it from my colleagues that um, they get fewer work. Well, generally, we can see that the market got slower, but. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm not getting any commissions. I do want to say that those are not the kind of commissions I would ideally want to do. But at this point of time, I'm not even interested because um, teaching was exhausting. Like I said, yeah. uh, I could handle it, but yeah. I'm very happy to have some break. So yeah. I'm not very, um, I'm not rushing to get new clients. But there are projects definitely. I'm working on. I finished two books wow. and I'm finishing the third one soon. Wow. So there's definitely work. Oh, well, awesome. I mean, because publishers they have a plan. Yeah. And that plan yeah. they started to develop it before COVID. So wow. mm, yes. some publishers could cut uh-huh. certain projects, uh-huh. but generally I think they do their best to keep it going because it's business. It has uh-huh. to be alive and it has to be developing.
0: Yeah. And I think right now people, you know, they have, they're stuck at home and why not order a book? And I've been ordering lots of books myself, (laughs) you know, you're just kind of like stuck. And I'm like, so my book collection has started to grow and I'm ordering things and just having a delivered at home. And then I, you know, so yeah, I think. But
1: also think about other markets like editorial newspapers Mm -hmm. are being printed daily. Uh, This doesn't change or uh, online or they move online. online journals or advertising um, people need to sell their product still and to sell it they still need illustration and maybe the delivery method can change you know I've seen a lot of businesses shift to social media ads um, to you know YouTube stuff like um, online advertisement which for us illustrators doesn't really make any difference
0: Mm -hmm. So great. Okay. Oh, and I want it because I'm growing my library and I was wondering who are your you know, do you have a favorite children's book illustrator that I should go buy their book and add to my collection mm-hmm. that you could recommend?
1: Uh-huh. Well, I think I think there are so many amazing artists, mm-hmm. but there is one person that mm-hmm. I just felt this deep connection with his stories. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been like that for years. So I think that would be my choice. It's a Taiwanese illustrator. His name is Jimmy Liao. Um, I hope I pronounce it correctly. Jimmy Liao. Okay. So he he publishes stories that are... I don't even know if you can say those are children's books. Exactly. Because okay. I love them so much. And a lot of his stories are very melancholic and mm-hmm. they are a little bit sad even mm-hmm. and sometimes they are not exactly um, straightforward so they're very open to interpretation but he does publish children's books mm-hmm. so a uh, p- uh, picture book sorry um, and his books are very that's again a thing about market yeah. his books and his illustration mm-hmm. is insanely popular in asia mm-hmm. They create movies based Mm -hmm. on his books. They create sculptures or huge installations in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, I've seen it. I'm sure Mm -hmm. also in China, Japan and other Asian countries. Um, He's very popular, but in the US Mm -hmm. um, to order his book, I had to um, Mm -hmm. look for them on Amazon and I had to buy like some used books if, because they're being published, but they're definitely not as popular. Um, and uh, yeah. the funny thing is when yeah. I found one of his books on Goodreads and I decided oh. to see the reviews, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. people were <laughs> angry because really? that book is sad. It has uh, a sad end. Well, yeah. it's weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Huh? Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's weird.
1: It's weird. It's about a blue stone that split and the two parts were looking for one another. And that's the book, you know there is no other meaning to it and you create your own meaning so that's funny I was I love this book but I've seen a lot of angry reviews from parents saying that we bought this book and it's horrible because it's so sad and and so on but I love his illustration
0: yeah it's interesting you say that because I'm fond of um, a lot of Asian illustrators and there's one that I found recently He's from South Korea and his, his stories are really dark. I was like, there's, I, it would be very unlikely that this would catch on in the US because it is so mm-hmm. dark. But I really love the uh, story. I mean, there's, it's very sad and it's very uh, whimsical at the same time. And, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's very popular in South Korea. But yeah, it's just interesting how different cultures, different stories can work. And uh, I love that you were very much like, this is a global market. There's a place for you in this, you know, in this market, because there's so many different ways you can take it. So I, I appreciate your positivity on uh, starting a business, because that's what you really are doing as a freelance illustrator. You're running your yeah, own, sure. own uh, full-time business. So Oh, my next question is um, if you could travel back in time and give yourself some advice at the beginning
1: of your career, um, what would that be? Oh, I know exactly what to answer because I've been thinking about it today, actually. Um, I made a discovery today. Um, I would tell myself to relax and experiment Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like Maybe that's just me personally or maybe that's my education or something else. I don't know. But I feel like in terms of techniques and style, um, my work was, um, I don't know, I think it would—it was a little bit too tight. And I was always inspired by, um, by people who could create um, something that looks weird, from the first side, but you know something something experimental mixed media things like that i would definitely tell myself to try more media more techniques and find my voice through that experiment rather than through developing one uh, specific approach and then after years went by looking back and realizing that's not what i want to do and doing it again changing stuff consciously and trying, because I think it's like with anything as a kid or as a young person, Mm -hmm. it's much easier to learn and adapt to new things Mm -hmm. than when you're an adult and you've been, for example, you've been working in watercolor Mm -hmm. for 20 years and then, and then you realize actually deep inside, I want to try something else and I want to try to combine it with something else. And it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people um, go to get degrees in illustration from what I found with my students, a lot Mm of uh, accomplished um, teachers, artists, they go to school, not because they can't draw or they don't have the skill because they need somebody to help them find that approach and kind of rediscover Mm -hmm. their style. So I think that's what I would tell myself, but again, The issue of style, it's so personal. It depends on your character, your personality. So again, I could give my, you know, my take on this, but there is no universal advice Uh
0: for this. Well, thank you. I appreciate your honesty. It was very helpful. I think that's why I kind of was like, you know, there's only um, this limited window that I have, and this is an advanced techniques class. So I should play around with techniques. I should try new things. And I'm glad I did because by the end of it, I was like, oh, I like doing this, but I'd never really tried this because it was that it almost feels like you're taking that. Well, in the past, I'd be like, but this is working kind of, but it's getting me by, but it's not really as exciting, but it's getting me by. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm so energized. I'm excited about all the potential that. Um, directions that I can go with, and uh, because when you work, okay.
1: um, when you start commercial uh-huh. work, you find yourself in a position where you never have the time uh-huh. to experiment uh-huh. and change things because there is some always a project and a client expecting to receive the result that they see from your portfolio, uh-huh. and that's why your portfolio has to be consistent, updated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you want to change your approach. You have to take the pause from your clients yeah. or you have to try to incorporate that or you have to do it on your free time. Good point. So doing this while in class is yeah. a great idea. That's what I did. Too.
0: Well, thank you so much for being so encouraging and being so positive about everything. I was like, <laughs> she's just so positive. Makes me like, I want to keep going. So, and great ideas because I, I am, I want to look into doing some cut paper animation, you know, just to play around and see if I like it. I don't know. I've never done it before. I mean, I've kind of taught it, but I didn't really do it. (laughs) So I would Uh make these really terrible demos because I'm like trying to teach it. And so you just do something, you throw it together. And now it, you know, if I can take a class where I can kind of learn how to use After Effects and then learn how to incorporate all that together, like I could maybe turn out something that will be, nice enough for my portfolio and find out if I like it enough so I really
1: appreciate your encouragement
0: so there is actually
1: the one thing I forgot to say is I think in this mm, to answer this question more fully I think that everybody has to have to um kind of ask yourself very honestly what is this thing that I'm doing is this my habit Uh or is this my conscious choice and change your approach according to that Um, because a lot of people and a lot of students do just do something because it's a habit, because it's comfortable, not because they tried enough Mm -hmm. techniques to consciously decide that this is my way to work because it has to be enjoyable, but it also has to be practical, you know, Mm -hmm. so many things to consider.
0: Thank you. That's a great point. The last question is, um, you've made all the artwork you want, and you can only leave a note with three final truths. Um, what would they be? <laughs> it's a deep question. I just Final truth
1: about what?
0: Um, like, some people have mentioned, like, kind of the, you know, when they look back at their life, what were some things that helped them kind of be I guess more oh, successful it's... and kind of make them enjoy like you know uh, being whether it's being patient whether it's um, having mm-hmm. uh, making time to enjoy their artwork um, that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm. oh that's interesting <laughs> that's a difficult <laughs> question uh, the first thing um, would be I think to kind of like what i said before Mm -hmm. the first thing would be to explore yourself Mm -hmm. and know who you are as a person as a personality um you have to you don't have to hide away from from what drives you Mm -hmm. for example in my case i always say this in my case um i grew up in a very small town Mm -hmm. in central ukraine i grew up surrounded by nature so i've always been a big fan of what i now call slow life what it's getting trendy okay but this was my way of life from very early years and i was always very inspired by by those things by just you know going out and um talking to trees (laughs) stuff like that (laughs) um having time with yourself and nature and getting inspired by nature yeah. and, you know, seeing the seasons change and stuff like that. But at some point, I think it's very easy to lose that. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, are always something that's trendy, always some somebody who will tell you, no, this is not the way to do it. And you start losing your true sense of personality, especially with work. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people start trying to achieve the things that Mm -hmm. they don't really want deep Uh inside okay um so that's what i would say the truth number one Uh, always know what you want deep inside who you are as a person and Mm -hmm. what you need to do to achieve that so for example if for me Mm -hmm. it would be enough to buy a house in the Mm -hmm. woods and live my life as Mm -hmm. um as a book illustrator Mm -hmm. i shouldn't stress out because i didn't achieve something else something you know far away i don't know if it makes any sense though i'm trying to it's a difficult question my second one would be um to not be afraid of making mistakes because a mistake is very relative Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's something that is very subjective
0: yeah
1: in art you know Mm. You can make mistakes with client communication or something like that. Mm -hmm, But in terms of what you create Mm -hmm. um, as an artist, there is really nobody who should tell you this is the one way to do it. And again, that takes me back to the topic of experimenting. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no such thing. And I always say this in my class. There is no such thing as uh, doing it wrong because in art, if i see a person who tells me this is wrong Mm -hmm. and this is right i run away from this person i don't want to know okay i want to invest in the type of art that i chose to do because because truth number one because i know who i am and i know what inspires me yes so mistakes is something that is a social construct i think a lot of the time and we gain that fear in our education included at least in my case i know exactly that in my education in in Ukraine, mm-hmm. they have created that sense of one direction. This is how you need to do it. And it took me years to get away from that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and number three... Um, oh, there are so many things I would <laughs> like to say. Huh. I actually had something in mind, but it's mm-hmm. just... Like, yeah, I think... I think you shouldn't really concentrate on one thing or the other. Okay. Um, all in all, I'm not answering number three. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just saying in general. It could be two. Um, yeah, could be two. Yeah, so thank um, you. It's just always good. It's always good yeah. to have balance. Yes. That's that's the one thing I want to say. I, I say this to myself every day. You have to have balance between yes. work and personal life, between money and fulfillment, yeah. between... Um, being self-confident and listening to somebody else's advice yeah, and so
0: on well thank you professor um yeah i really appreciate you speaking with me and sharing your expertise with the audience um i'm excited when this post because uh you offer always such great advice and um so thank you and i think a lot of it's because of the experiences you've had you've just done so much and you've taught so many people and you've done things, maybe not necessarily the usual route of things. And you've had to work so hard to get um, the opportunities. You've made those opportunities. I think that's fascinating to me. As I get older, I just go like, well, just you got to look and you can find those and achieve the things that you want. And so um, thank you for being inspiring and encouraging. And, thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're too nice. No thank no I much.
0: mean I, I really you made an impact on me during one quarter. I was like, man, if I could take another class with her. <laughs> you know I mean I'm seriously, like, I was looking every quarter of it I was like, I think it gets off a of sink or something like that. so but if there's a way I can take another class with you, I would I would definitely do it. Um, so
1: yeah. but awful.
0: everybody, thank you for listening. This is um, my creative life.